John 15, verse number 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. I'm going to do part two of what Pastor did last week in part one and talk to you for a moment, preach to you this morning about above everything else. Above everything else. Let's pray together. Let's pray for the word. Let's pray for Pastor Gaddy. And let's just believe the Lord's going to help set us up for what he wants to accomplish. Lord Jesus, you're faithful and good and you have worked in this place already. We are so thankful, Lord, for all that you've done at New Life in 2023. But we are declaring for greater and we are declaring for more because your word has said it. Lord, we're praying that you would pour out your spirit. Teach us. Align us with your purpose. God, we believe we are here for this hour, in Jesus' name. As you're seated, would you look at somebody and say, above everything else. Above everything else. Now, I'm fairly confident I've done this before, but I'm going to have you do something in a moment, and you may not like me for a second. Maybe I've done this. I really don't remember if I have or not. I, I, you you kind of lose track. I'm getting old. So sometimes you forget some things that you, that you did. I need to keep a better diary or whatever they do. I want you to look at somebody beside you. I want you to find at least one person that's around you, one person that you can make eye contact with, somebody, anybody, anybody but me. Make eye contact with somebody. This is awkward, right? You can't do that for very long. I want you to look at them with as much sincerity as you can, as much honesty in your voice that you can muster up. I need you to look at that individual, and I need you to say this. You ready? You are just a pile of dirt. You weren't ready for that, were you? Now, listen. If when I got about halfway through that sentence and I was saying you are just and then you had some other things come to your mind, we're going to let you pray. You can come up front and repent of your sins. You are just a pile of dirt. You said that to the person next to you. That person may be wearing a suit. They may be wearing the best clothes that they own. They may have drove up here in a very nice, expensive car. They may have came from a nice, large house. They may have all the types of things in the world that, that the world wants. They may have a lot. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you and I are nothing more than a pile of... Isn't that just an encouraging way to start out a sermon on a Sunday, don't you feel better about yourself? I didn't say you're dirty, not going there. I just said 
you are a pile of dirt. I am nothing more than a pile of dirt because Genesis 2 and 7 says this, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. God formed Adam. And he formed Adam, as they would say in the Hebrew. He formed him from the dust of the ground. The Hebrew word for ground is Adama. So Adam was formed from the dust of the ground. He is ground. If you are a man, a mankind, if you will, you are formed from the dust of the ground. Genesis 3 and 19 says it this way. Till thou art returned unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For thou, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. So you are. Psalm 103, verse number 14 says it this way. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembers, the Lord remembereth, that we are dust. Listen, I know you feel good about yourself, or maybe you don't. But ultimately, this morning, each of us are just dirt. Now, why is that important? Why would you begin a sermon? Why would you start with that explanation? Why? Because it is the fabric of our makeup. It is the structure of our being. It is who we are. We cannot deny that nature. We cannot deny that part of us. It is and will always be how mankind is. It's just the way that we were created. But why would God choose dirt? He could have made us out of many other things. He could have decided water was the perfect substance to create humankind out of, but that's probably too fluid. He could have chose fire. Maybe he put a little fire in some more than others. But that's too unstable at points. Maybe he decided to put rock or maybe precious stones, but he didn't choose any of those. He chose dirt, dust from the ground to form us. So why would he do that? Why does it say that man was formed from dust? Well, if you just want my opinion this morning, what I believe scripture bears out from the beginning to the end is dirt, soil, ground, it is the only substance in the universe that can sustain and grow a seed. Soil and dirt contains all the right balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide minerals. It has the right elements to conduct the process of nestling and cracking and sprouting and growing from the earth. And because we have ground and dirt. Because of this, we have plants and vegetables and fruits and trees, garden and plant life. Because of this process, we have oxygen and food and environmental balance. It's because we have the substance of dirt. So when God decided what he would make man out of, he wanted there to be something that he could put into them in order to get something greater out of them. So he decided to make man out of that type of substance. He wanted something that you could cultivate. He wanted something that could be moldable and workable and pliable. And what you put in to something 
someone is exactly what you get out of someone. How many of you know whatever you put in is eventually going to come out? And whatever you sow in, that's why, the, that's why the law of the harvest, that's why the law of sowing and reaping applies to everybody in every generation. It never changes. Whatever, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever you put in is what you get out. Whatever you put into a life is exactly what you get out of life. I'm so thankful, Pastor Chris, that you started this Sunday morning explaining and pushing people to hope because we want to put hope into people. You're witnessing it all around. You're watching the human experiment at work. You're watching people get sown in despair and bad news and negativity and all sorts of things of seeds get sown in their spirit. And you're watching the fruit come out of that in 2023. So it's time that the people of God understood our makeup, understood our frame, that God wants to put good things out of us and produce greater things out of us. Because that's the way God made us. The prophet Jeremiah even uses this analogy to describe the soul concerning the remnant of Israel being saved in Jeremiah 3, 31, excuse me, 10 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare the isles afar off and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore, they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new oil, new wine and oil for their young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like well watered gardens and they shall sorrow no more at all. Because when God made us, he made us in the way that we would be soil and like a well watered garden. See, the reality is man's garden, man's garden was Eden, but God's garden is man. And God desperately wants to cultivate things out of all of us. Man's first job. What was your first job? Think about it for a second. What's the first job you ever had? Anybody mow yards? Rake leaves. Anybody not had your first job yet? I, I was hoping there wouldn't have any adults raise their hand. My first job was holding the door at my dad's pharmacy. First job I ever had. I'd go stand and I'd hold the door for people and he would pay me in candy. It's a sweet deal. That joke came in, and I was like, that's dumb, don't say that. And then it came out. And I'm still up here thinking, that's dumb, why'd you say that? Man's first job, Genesis 2 and 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Listen, from the very onset, the very beginning, from the start of all of humanity, we were designed, we were made from a substance and given a job to cultivate the right things in our life. That is, we cannot escape it. We cannot get away from it. It is who we are to be a gardener, to take care, to tend to the soil of our life. See, 
I began this way this morning. I began to talk about this because I believe it all throughout Scripture. I believe from the start of the book to the back of the book. I believe that this principle is bore out over and over and over again. And the reason I felt like we needed to start there this morning is because you and I have been given the tools that we need to grow. There is no reason you cannot grow in God. There is no reason, there is no thing, there, there should be no thing that prohibits you from growing. You were made to grow. You were made to cultivate. You were created for something to come in of you and growth to come out of you. Listen, you were made to be healthy. I had no intention of going there, but let's just go there for a second. There's so much of this world that's unhealthy, and there's so many things that get crammed down you, your throat, your mind, your heart, your spirit that are unhealthy. But listen, when God formed you from the beginning, he made you to be healthy. He made you to be right. He made you to be in alignment with what he has. He made you that way. That was his design and his plan. He spoke it. He existed. He put it into motion. You and I were destined to produce something out of our life. We're made for that growth. We're made to grow. We're designed on purpose. 2023, we put the slide up. You'll see it occasionally. You'll see different things that happen. We put it up, and it says grow, just one simple word. We want people to grow in 2023. We want people to grow Personally, we want our church to grow. We want to see growth in 2023. Let me remind you of what was said in this room from this pulpit on January the 22nd, 2023 by Pastor Gaddy when he preached a sermon called Grow. He said this, growth requires constant work and thought. Listen. I believe that the seed of the word of God right now is being sown out from the pulpit. And we use this illustration because it's fitting. It's being sown out by the sower and the farmer is sowing the seed and it's trying to land on good ground. But if you don't do anything with the seed, it can't grow. Growth takes work and thought. And growth is necessary and expected. All throughout the book of Acts, you'll find words like added and multiplied. Growth is personal and it's collective. Growth is God's plan. It's God's design. Now, if you were here last Sunday, I don't know, many of you may have not been here on January the 22nd, but there's been an ongoing theme that's been taken on at New Life. So if you go to last Sunday, March the 19th, 2023, they'll put that slide up on the screen. Pastor Gaddy stood in this pulpit and he preached from here above everything else. And he said this, I don't know if everyone remembers it, but he said, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the purpose that Jesus came, to seek and save that which was lost. And if you feel lost today, I've got good news for you. Because there's a Savior that's come to seek you out, find you, save you. 
I heard a story yesterday. I heard a story. I was in Malvern, Arkansas, and I heard a story of a man. He was standing on a porch, and he was telling us about how God had brought him into the church there in Malvern. So this man, I believe his name was Jacob. Jacob's standing there, and he says, I was just out in my yard, and I was standing there in my yard, and a, and a, and a, a well-dressed man in his 50s walked up. And he walked up to me and he handed me a church business card. And he said, he said, here, come take this card and we'd love for you to come to church on Sunday. That's tomorrow. Come bring your family. Come sit with us. We'd love for you to come join us at church. Here's the address. Here's the church. Why don't you come, come sit with us at church tomorrow? And so the man was like, well, I, uh, I went to a church as a kid. So I might as well just give it a shot. I might as well try it. So the man gets up the next morning, loads his family up. He's got four boys. He loads them all up in the van with his wife. They drive over to this church. They get out. They all file in, and they're all looking. Okay, where's, where's the man, the one that had the, the card? And they go up to the pastor, and they ask. And this is, a, this is a story that was told me yesterday. They said, so this is what the man looks like, and... This is, how he, this is how he dressed, and this is what it looks like. This is about his age. This is where, and he handed me this card that, that, that shows the church. And the, the pastor looks at him, and he says, that's our, one, that's our church, but I didn't make those cards. And there's nobody that goes to this church. We just moved here a few weeks ago. There's nobody that goes to this church that even looks like that. The pastor's wife, with tears in her eyes on the platform, she says this, God loved that man and his family enough to send an angel from heaven to walk down his street, which is way off the beaten path, reach into his heart and say, why don't you come experience something that can pull your family out of what you're in the middle of? God loves, he's come to seek and save that which is lost. That's the type of God that we serve. But the most amazing part about that story is the fact that that man still goes to that church all these years later. To prove pastor's second point that he said, Jesus has greater things in store for us than to simply exist saved. The man said, I don't, I don't have all this together and God loved me enough to bring me into this church, but I'm going to do a whole lot more than just be saved. I want to grow. I want to take a step forward. I want there to be good fruit that comes out of my life. He loves us. He's called us to greater than just be exist saved because the goal is fruitfulness. And then it was said last week in this pulpit, fruitlessness is uselessness. That's a, he said, tweet it. Let's just get shirts made. He would love it. Now, John chapter 15, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn there with me? John chapter number 15. We're going to read about this, this passage, this popular passage of Scripture that gives us so much instruction, so much help in how we ought to consider the fruit being produced out of our lives. John chapter 15, verse number 1 says this, I 
am the true vine. All through the Old Testament, you'll find examples that Israel was called the vine and that Israel would be referenced as a vine. But when Jesus came along, he said, I know you've put your confidence and your trust in that, but I've come to show you that I am the true vine. And while Israel has failed, I will not fail you. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And watch, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. See, a vine is a prolific plant. It is one strand or it is, it is small in its nature, but yet it produces much results out of it. So the reality is we're either connected to the vine and producing or we're not connected and not producing fruit. We are either producing fruit or we're not producing fruit. Now, I know that's not an easy statement to make, but we are either growing or we're not growing. We're either being intentional or we're missing an opportunity to be intentional. The Lord's goal is always more fruit. Everything you experience, every, everything that goes on, the Lord's goal is always for there to be more fruit come from your life. Whether it is the process that was described in verse 2 where the branches are taken away or the branches are pruned. Those are the two types of things that happen. Whatever that is, the goal is always more fruit to come. Whether he separates it or takes it away or whether he cuts back and he prunes, fruitful branches are cut back to promote growth. So in other words, God must sometimes do what it takes for fruit to come forth. How many have ever been through a difficult season? How many have ever walked through a time where you wish, I wish I was not walking in this time? I wish I didn't have this pain. I wish I didn't experience this. I wish I wasn't going through what I'm going through. But the Lord, while you have that on your mind, the Lord has one thing on his mind. I want fruit to come out of them. I want something sweet to come from something bitter. I want something good to come from something bad. I want to show you how powerful I can redeem. I want to show you how strong my hand is to work in the midst of you. I want to show you it may take a while and it may not come the answer that you want. But the goal is always more fruit. It's how he works. It's what he works. Now in the midst of this, in the midst of the process of more fruit... Pruning is always a part of the process of fruitfulness. You cannot escape fruitfulness. You cannot escape pruning to get to fruitfulness. You can't escape it. How many, guard, how many would you say you would confidently raise your hand in this moment and say you have a green thumb? Seven. Cool. How many, how many of you when you see a plant, it dies. All you got to do is look at it. They got a sign with your picture at Home Depot, you can't go in. 
They don't let you. You kill it all. That's me. Some, there's some in this room, I won't name names, Pastor Larry. There's some in this room that have won lawn of the month. You just did again? Oh, Jesse Kaiser did too. We've got a club. And you can join it. But you got to work really hard. Anybody in this room, you could stop and talk. You could stop and talk to Jesse Kaiser. You could stop and talk to Pastor Larry. You can stop and talk to Sister Kim. Anyone will tell you that you cannot have a healthy vine, a healthy product without pruning. It's not possible. There has to come moments where things get cut back. There has to come moments where things get removed. The natural teaches us the spiritual. Pruning happens for many reasons. To remove what is dead or dying. Pruning happens to remove what is infected or diseased. Pruning happens to remove what is hindering or inhibiting future growth. And listen, this is, this is so good. This is worth all of the price of admission that you paid to come to church today. All, of, all that money you paid. This is it. Pruning is good for long-term health. Can we stop as the people of God just living in the moment? It is good. Trust me, it is good to respond in a moment. I'm not, I'm not taken away from that. What I am saying is we can get so fixated on a moment and so fixated on a feeling that we forget the long-term in view. And maybe the pain is temporary, but Romans 8 and says this, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed, watch, in us. So whatever God has for the long term, I'm submitting myself to it. I'm submitting myself to the process of fruitfulness. I'm submitting myself to the pruning that may have to take place. And yes, I may have to go through a season of loss and I may have to go through a season of cutback. But ultimately, the goal is fruitfulness and the goal is the long term. I want to get where God is trying to take me. If you get, you know that, that song, and it's been quoted here, I'm not going to sing it. You know that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? How many of you know, like, if you took the wheel right now, it would be really bad? Anybody? You know, if you took it over, if you, if you started making decisions for yourself, it wouldn't end good. But if you would release control to the vine and the vine dresser, and let him in his time and wisdom who sees everything around you and above you and below you and on every side of you, if you would let him do his work, he knows this. Our heavenly father knows how to purge to produce. Our heavenly father knows how to purge to produce. That is why your season and my season may not look the same. But God knows the things that you have to go through and I have to go through. He knows that the maximum amount of fruit can be yielded out of that life. So he knows the process and the plan to produce the right fruit from us. I'm so thankful 
It's not all a blanket thing. But he works individually because he has plans for us individually. And he has a purpose for us individually. He has that for us. Verse number three says this, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You're not capable of bearing fruit in your own ability, the right fruit. However, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Not some things, not the things you're talented at, not the things you have experience in. No, no, no. Without me, without him, you and I can do nothing. Who do you think gave you the ability to work hard? Who do you think gave you the ability to think like you think? Who do you think gave you all the ability and the things that set you up all along your path to get you to the place that you're at? Who did that for you? It wasn't you, but it was the hand of the vine dresser along the way that decided, I know what my children need. Thank you, Brother Garrett, on Wednesday night for reminding us to pray that. I hope you've been praying that through the week. Father, you know what I need. You sit high above my life, and you know that I can't do anything if I'm not connected to you. And I've got to let myself abide in you. See, there's, there's something about this whole process that makes fruitfulness go. And it's this. Abiding involves his word and his body. That's what abiding consists of. Now, there's a great truth in Scripture, and the Lord has been dealing with me about this the last little bit, last several days. And I did not... This is just a disclaimer, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying this for any type of comment, but I'm just saying this because I feel like the Lord works some things out sometimes in his timing and his grace. I was not planning to preach today. And then just the hands of the cards that get dealt, the Lord kind of ushered and, and directed, and, and, and he's working out all things for good, and, and God's going to touch pastor in Jesus' name. All week long, there's been something in, just in me that I have not been able to shake, not been able to move away from. Maybe, just maybe, it's a word for somebody right here, right now. A great truth in living for God is when you completely understand your placement in Him. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things that are above, not on things that are earth. And then watch verse number three. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We are in Him. If you've been, if you've repented of your sins, if you have been baptized in Jesus' name, and you are filled with His Spirit, 
You dwell in Him. You don't dwell on the outside of Him. You don't dwell by Him. We're not just praying that God would be by us or near us. No, sir, no, ma'am. We dwell in Him. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are, you ready? In Christ Jesus. In Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. We sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen. In him we live and move and have our being. We aren't outside of him. We're not separated from him. We're not in a different place. But when you finally realize and see yourself, I'm not disconnected, but I am in him. Listen, that's going to change some of you because when you walk up to the front, when some of y'all were praising God, what you're realizing is you're lifting, you're in him and you're lifting him higher. You're lifting him up for others to see. You're in him and you're hitting him from all the despair and the chaos. You ought to pray this week, God, I am hid in you. I realize these attacks and arrows and things are coming from all different types of angles, but my life is hid inside of you. And I died to that old way. I died to what's behind me. And my life is hid in you. That's why David said when David walked on the battlefield and he walked up to Goliath and Goliath is taunting all the things that he's taunting. That's why David said, listen, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you. And this is what the Bible says in the name of the Lord God, because I'm not outside the name, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not separated in some other place. No, sir. No, ma'am. I am in. Acts 19, it says this, There were certain vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, a chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered back, Now that ain't good. You walk up to something, you're feeling all tough. I adjure you by the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preached. And you think that thing's going to run away, and then it starts talking back to you. That evil spirit answered and said, wait a second, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house... Naked and wounded. That's a bad day. Go back to verse number 19. They came to him, to these evil spirits. They walked up to him and they said, We adjure you by, by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. See, that's their problem. That's the mistake. And that's what we do sometimes as we walk up and think, Well, by this type of authority, by this, by the name of Pastor Gaddy, or by the fact that I go to New Life and I'm around in this, or by the fact that I'm I'm semi-connected. No, sir, we don't adjure by Jesus. No, we come in the name 
of Jesus. And they might have said by the name, but the mistake was, no, we're actually in the name of Jesus. We are hid in him. So our power and our authority, it comes from the true vine and that true power that flows through us. We are in him. Come on, you need to stop living like you're outside of him. You need to stop thinking like you're disconnected from him. No, sir, no, ma'am. You have that same spirit that rose Christ from the dead living and flowing through your veins. And you ought to stand to your feet and say, God, I declare right now I am in you. I am connected to the vine. I am in the name of Jesus. Your power and authority is not in you. But when you're in his name, you have all power and authority. You have that flowing through when you're connected to his body and you're connected to his word. When you are abiding in him, then you have that. Now, this is so good because it continues. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered and they gather them and throw them in the fire and they're burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ready for this? You will ask what you desire and it shall be done. I don't know what you're asking for today, but I'm trying to help you get into the proper alignment so that when you do ask, when you do ask, you're in the right place, the right time. You're there by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. It is God's will that we grow. It's God's will that we abide in him. And it's God's will that his power and anointing flows through us. Because listen, our abiding governs our asking. Our abiding, it governs our asking. If you abide in me and my words in you, you will ask what you desire. Let him put that in you. Let him start to align that in you and watch what comes out. Listen, if I... I will ask based on my selfishness when Jesus' words are not inside of me. I'm going to prove this in Scripture. James 4 and 3. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. 1 John 5 and 14. And this confidence we have in him that if we ask anything, but wait, there's more, according to his will. He heareth us. 1 John 3 and 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, not just for any reason, but because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. It is our abiding and our alignment that governs our asking. And if you will align yourself properly, then you can ask and receive. I don't know about you, but I want my prayers to be effective. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to just go spin my wheels in prayer and go round and round and keep praying for the same five things for 20 years, which it may take time for things to unfold. I'm not saying don't be faithful. What I am saying is I want to be effective. When I open my mouth to the King of Kings and I yield my will and my spirit to him, I want to come in alignment with him and abide in him so that he can answer what I ask. Now, verse, verse number 16, and this is where I'll close today. Verse number 16 is where we started, and it's where we'll end. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. I don't know. I would venture to say that if we took a poll right now, if we sent out a survey and we ask you how you felt about yourself or how you see yourself or what do you see when you look in the mirror, I would venture to say most of the comments would be negative. Most of the responses we'd get back would not be a positive, uh, a, a good indication. That's probably a lot to do with our society and culture and how it makes us feel. But in a lot of ways, we don't see that. But I came right now to read one verse of Scripture to you to say as much of coming to church on this Sunday that you felt like maybe that was in your control or, or maybe your upbringing that you felt like was, was your say or not your say, Here's the word of the Lord for you right now. You did not choose him. But when he looked down the hallways of time, and when he looked at this moment, he chose you. So I wish you would let some of those insecurities and things fall off of you. Those things that need to be pruned back so that you can get in proper alignment with him. I wish you'd let some of those things shake off because he chose you and appointed you that you would go bear fruit. It is God's plan and design for you to grow. It's his plan. It's his plan right now. He's wanting growth to come from you. You've been chosen. You've been appointed for the, the purpose of producing fruit. This is not just a privilege or the thrill of feeling that you're chosen and special. No, no, no. You were put into the kingdom for such a time as this. And God is wanting us to do something that will last. He's wanting our fruit to remain. So he's commissioning us. Listen, you're not here by accident. This is not your parents only doing either way. No, sir, no, ma'am. What this is, is the hand of God saying, I want these people in my kingdom at this time. I want them here in this moment. I have chosen them for whom my power and authority will flow through. Listen, you may be weak, but it doesn't mean you can't be anointed. You may be insufficient, but your sufficiency is not of yourself. It's of him. 
You may be weak, yes. You may fail. But your strength doesn't come from you anyways. Your strength comes from your alignment in Him. Would you stand with me? There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, I I quoted it earlier, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Maybe, just maybe, the Lord wanted and he's planning in his wisdom to bring New Life Church into alignment with his last day plan. And he wants to use you to do it. He wants you to bear fruit that will remain. He wants growth to come from you. But it can only happen if you put yourself in alignment and abide in him. Who wants fruit to come from your tree? Who wants purpose to flow from your life? Anyone? Who wants to see the hand of God flow through you? Then it's time that we decide we are dead and my life is hid in him. And I lose my identity because when you look at me, when my life is hid in him, you're not even going to see me because I'm hid and concealed in him. When you look at me, you're going to see him always. That is my goal. To have him be what anyone sees because my life is in him. I want to come in alignment with him. Let's do this together. Would you step out from where you are and would you come join me at the front? We're just going to take a moment to pray. We're going to ask the Lord just to help us get in alignment with his plan and will for today. Now, I can't pray this or do this for you. Pastor Gaddy can't. Pastor Jimmy can't. But there's a submission process that takes place that releases authority to happen. When you submit, when you submit to God's plan and purpose, there's an authority that gets released from that. There's a power that's able to flow because you're in proper alignment. Anybody ever had your back out of alignment? Anybody? You know what that feels like for the rest of your body, right? It's debilitating. But when your back is in alignment, the rest of the body functions like it's supposed to. And that's exactly how God is trying to depict it in our minds to show us if we will come in alignment with his purpose and abide in him and his word abides in us, then we will be able to ask and it happen. We will be able for his power to flow through us freely like he wants. Would you lift your hands with me in the sanctuary this morning? God, I am putting myself in alignment with you. I am submitting my will and plans, the insecurities, the failures, every part of me, I'm submitting it to you because I want to come in alignment with you, Lord. 
I submit myself to your plan right now. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice. Pray a personal prayer. There may be things that need to get pruned off or cut away. But Jesus, I believe. I believe your word and I come in alignment with what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Jesus.